Well, good morning. One more time, make sure everybody's listening. Good morning. It is good to see you. A couple things. Um, want to call your attention to one women's Christmas dinner banquet is today, and next week is the last week to buy the tickets. All the proceeds go to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's a great time for you ladies, so please get the tickets out there. Um, Second of all, if you notice the police officer in the parking lot, that's going to be more normal for us. It's not that anything has happened. It's just preventative. And we um, have decided to hire an off-duty police officer each day, uh, each Sunday to be up here just to make sure. And, um, and we were just recently made aware that something happened in another church and it just brought attention that we just need an added bit of safety for you and for us. And so that's why he's here. So be real nice to him. Um, he can give you a ticket one day. Just remember that. So be real nice. You know, he's been great. Um, offering envelopes, if you don't give online, um, if you want to give and get tax credit, the best way is through the offering envelopes. There are offering envelopes outside the office today, and then they'll be there all through the week if you want to come get them inside. And we would love for you to get those so you can get the tax credit that you need. Also, as you go out, you'll notice in a basket, these are little cards. There's three in each bag, each little packet, and it's just inviting people to the Christmas services that we have. And it has kind of a information about our church and then also what's happening as far as Christmas Eve and the and adult musical, those kind of things. And so if you'd like to invite some friends or neighbors or put it down with a generous tip uh, as you eat, again, do not invite anybody to a service of our church and be cheap, okay? Don't do that. So be generous and then do that. So um, we would love to, to have you involved and invite people to be involved in that. Um, couple things real quick a little few little bit more announcements than normal um our angel trees are coming up and you'll notice it's a little bit different we have um adopted iola roberts as a school that we've been working with and chris has been helping us with that all the way through but iola already has a couple churches that help them with christmas most of the elementary schools in our city are adopted by some church and i'm thankful for that i praise god for that but there are a couple children there, and then there are also several gifts that we're asking you to help us with that won't be wrapped. They'll just be clothing items that will be put in the clothes closet at Iola for children who need clothes throughout the year. Could be they need a coat and don't have it, or they need something else, or maybe the younger ones might make a mess and need to change their clothes, something happens like that. So we're going to use that to try to give. So you'll see that on the, um, on the trees, and if you'd like to participate in that, we would love for you to help us do that. Also, we're starting a brand new um, ministry in our church, and Chris is going to tell you a little bit about it on the video. So would you look at that real quick? Church. I'm here in a classroom that is honestly a little bland, but it's not going to stay that way. This classroom is going to be transformed into a space where we can bless and minister to those with special needs. Yes, this is something myself, as a staff, we've been uh, praying through and thinking through how can we bless and serve those both within our church and within the community with special needs. How can we have a special needs class or ministry uh, to serve those? And so we've we're taking the steps now to see that happen. 
And the next step is for you as a church to let me know that you would be interested in serving in this class. Uh, I have a couple of key leaders that have training and experience in special needs ministry. But now we just need men, women, college age, uh, even high schoolers who would stand up and say, I want to serve. I want to help. I want to minister on Sunday morning uh, to those with special needs. And so I'm asking you now, would you reach out to me? Would you contact me and say, yes, I want to serve. Or I want to learn more. I want to find out what it would look like to be in this special ministry. So please, contact me, church, and let's prepare to bless these individuals and bless their families. Thank you, church. I hope that you will pray about that. Right now, the way it's going to start, that will take place during this hour. And so not during the Sunday school hour, but during this hour, there'll be a class where people, children who need that little extra assistance and the parents maybe could use that time to, to let their children be in there with qualified people and people who've had background checks and all those kind of things, then they can come and be in the worship service. So please pray about that and say, Chris, but we're glad that you're here. Are you ready to worship today? Our call to worship is straight out of the book of Revelation. And so if we can get that on the screen, read that with me. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen? Amen. We get to worship that God today. Paul told us to devote ourselves to the public a reading of Scripture. And today, we're, because of Thanksgiving week, we're going to read a psalm of Thanksgiving. Job, I'll come read it for us. Good morning. Good morning. This scripture is from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Joe Bob. Let's continue to worship church. As we think of um, this Sunday, as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving, these songs to me just express, as I was thinking in my own life, just the things that I'm thankful for. And, and I'm thankful for the body of Christ, for what we get to do together um, every week. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus and just for how good our God is. So let's sing this to him. Let's sing it out loudly. Let's worship the Lord with all that we are today.
Let this be your prayer to the Lord this morning for how good he is. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of
singing that, I was thinking about the passage we opened with in our call to worship that we'll stand before the Lamb in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, we'll sing praises. And can you imagine when we finally see Him, we see Him for who He is, and we look back over our life, and even in the hardship, we see how He used that for our good and for His glory, that every nation, every tribe, every tongue for an eternity can sing all my life, you've been faithful. He's a faithful God. Amen? Let's go to Him and let's pray. And I just want to encourage you as we pray to lift up anything that may be on your heart today. Whatever it may be that's a burden in your life, would you just lift that to Him? Let's keep praying for Frank Morrison and cancer and the treatments and for Cynthia. Pray for Earl Armstrong. He had some surgery this week. For Ted Hunter as he prays got accepted into some more rehab and is doing better after a stroke. And there are others. We we ministered to over 150 families yesterday with the Thanksgiving boxes. Would you just pray that God would bless them not only with the physical food, but the spiritual food that they would taste and see that he's good. And maybe there's a request in your heart and your mind. I just encourage you to lift it up to God. Father, we come before you. I know that we sing a song like that all my life. You've been faithful. There are those who, who've struggled through some hardships and maybe they're having a hard time seeing your faithfulness in the midst of that. And I just pray, Lord, that you administer to them and show them what you're doing and, and help us to trust you even when we can't see it knowing that you are a good, good father. And somehow all things work together for the good of those who love you. And Lord, I know that doesn't mean that all things are good, but that you work all things for good. 
for those who love you are called according to your purposes. So we want to trust you. And we want to praise you. And in this season, as this week approaches, we, we want to give you thanks. And as we look at Paul's prayer today, I ask, Lord, that you would teach us to pray. Show us how to pray in the way that would bring you glory and that would also fill us and empower us. So bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in Colossians chapter 1. This is our third week. We saw the introduction in verses 1 and 2. We opened and saw Paul's thanksgiving in verses 3 through 8. And then today we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. And then next week, obviously 12 through 14, and finish that part of Paul's prayer up. But starting with verse 9, if you're able to stand and honor the reading and the preaching of God's Word, I invite you to stand. I'm going to read 9 through 14, but the text for today, and probably on the screen, will just be 9 through 11. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, all endurance and patience with joy. Now that's for this week. Now next week, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. One of the things I love about Paul's prayers is that Paul teaches us to pray. I often just pray the prayers of Paul. I I personalize them. I pray them over my life, over Kim's life. I pray them over my daughter's lives, my grandson's lives. And this is one of those prayers that I find myself praying on a regular basis. Because Paul teaches us here not only how to pray for lost people, but he shows us in this passage specifically, how do we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ? How do we pray for our fellow believers? How do we pray for the body of Christ throughout the world? Remember, Paul's writing to a church he had never visited. He'd never been here. And so we're, we can learn from Paul how to pray for the global church and for those in our Sunday school class and those in our discipleship classes and those in our family. It's interesting because it, it's a prayer that comes out of thanksgiving. We saw that last week. We'll see it again next week in the thanksgiving. It comes out of the news that Epaphras brought to Paul. Epaphras was saved and most likely in the revival in Ephesus. He brought it home to Colossae and and founded the church and then there were some problems. So he comes back to Paul with the questions and because of the questions, this letter was written. But also Paul's rejoicing over what God's been doing in their life. If you look at verse 9, the ESV simply says, and so... The idea is more than and so, it's, it's, it's more of because of this, because of what Epaphras has told us, because of, of, of the faith 
and the hope and the love that we've heard about. Because of those things, Paul is rejoicing. And he's, he's beginning to, to take us down. Let, let me just tell you, Paul's in the next several weeks is going to take us into the deep end of the gospel pool. The, the gospel is shallow enough for a toddler to play in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. And Paul's going to take us into the deep end. And, and, and it's, it's something like this. Paul is, is going to allow us, let me try to picture it this way. He's going to try to allow us to swim in his mind for a moment. If you've ever wondered how Paul's mind worked, just read his prayers. Because what seems to happen is, is all this doctrine and theology in Paul's life that is coming from his view of Jesus is coming out through his prayers. He's praying this doctrine. He's praying doctrinal thoughts, thoughts about God. And he teaches us a lot. We, we can sum it up in two points, okay? The first thing you see is that Paul prays for discernment of God's will. Paul's praying for the discernment of God's will. That's what verses 10 and 11 are all about. He, he's, or 9 and 10, excuse me. That's what they're all about. They're, they're about the prayer for the discernment of God's will. Now listen, discernment of God's will in his life, in the church in Colossae's life, in your life, in your children's life, in your grandchildren's life, in your co-worker's life. This is written to them, but it's applicable to us. And so as we study this, it teaches us how to pray. So let's look at what he says again in 9 and 10. And so from the day we heard, from the day we heard from Epaphras, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God for all endurance and patience with joy. Now look at those verses. If, if someone were to come around and find our prayer journals, or if they were to sneak in and listen to our prayers, they'd sound just like that, Right? I mean, Paul, Paul's mind is filled. Now, Paul is inspired here by the Holy Spirit, but, but there's a lot there. There's a lot to try to digest. And, and maybe one of the ways that we can digest it is just look at some key words in it, okay? The first thing he prays is that we would be filled. That we would be filled. And so let's just stop for a moment and think about what that means. Here's the first thing I want you to realize about being filled. You can't fill yourself. You can't fill yourself. A glass of water can't fill itself. You've got to fill it. God fills you. Someone from the outside must fill you. You cannot do this on your own. So he's not saying you, you go out and fill yourself. He's saying he's praying that they would be filled. They would be filled. But what does it mean to be filled? In Ephesians 5, 18, there's a, there, there's a, there's a common verse. Baptists love to quote the first half, but they ignore the second half, Okay. First half says, do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. Now, my grandmother and grandparents and my mom and dad quoted that verse to me all the time. Do not be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But 
Here's the second part that Baptists tend to ignore, second command, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two commands, don't be drunk and be filled. And so what's interesting is that Paul shows us what it means to be filled by telling us not to be drunk. What happens when someone drinks too much? I don't mean a, a glass of wine or, or maybe a beer or something like that. I'm not saying you ought to go drink that. I'm just saying that's usually not what he's talking about. But what if you've had 15 beers now or a whole bottle of wine? What happens? To be too much alcohol begins to control you, doesn't it? It controls your thoughts. It controls your mouth. It certainly controls your filter. It controls the way you walk. It controls everything about you. To be drunk is to be under the control of something. And so because Paul put those two together, don't be drunk but be filled, he's showing us what it means to be filled. To be filled is to be controlled by the Spirit. We're to be totally controlled so that he controls how we think, how we speak. He controls how we walk in our life. He controls how we treat other people. He controls every aspect of our life. We're to be totally controlled by Him. So one of the things we ought to pray every morning when we get up is that God would control us this day. That God would control our children. That His Spirit would fill them and enable. Now, to be filled is something that happens the moment you're saved, but it's something that continues all the way through your Christian life. You, you must be filled on the daily basis. You must be filled day by day by day, moment by moment. You need the continual filling of the Holy Spirit where he's controlling your life. So he, he said, I want you to be filled. But filled with what? He says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you may be filled with the knowledge. There's your second word, knowledge. What does that mean? What does he mean when he says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will? What is knowledge? One of the things we can do in Colossians is, is to look forward and see how Paul uses the word later. So look at chapter 2, verse 3. Just right there by, on the other page there, Colossians 2, 3. In whom, so about in Jesus, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what we find is that wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. When you're born again, when Christ comes into you through his Holy Spirit, there is a knowledge that comes inside of you that you did not have before you were saved. Lost people can know about God. Lost people can know about the Bible. Lost people can know facts. They can win Bible trivia games. They can do those things, but they may not know God. You, you cannot know this knowledge until the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And so it's, it's found in Christ. But look over a little further in Philipp, or excuse me, Colossians 3.10. He says, you put on the new self, which is being renewed. The new self is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So as you grow in Christ, Christ comes in you, the Holy Spirit comes, and then you grow in that knowledge and you become more and more like Jesus. It's a big word for that. It's called sanctification. 
It's a process by which we become more and more like Christ. We're, we're being sanctified. We're being made more and more holy as we grow in Christ. So if I've been saved all my life, but there's been no sanctification, I really ought to look and say, have I ever really been saved? Because if I'm born again, Christ comes in me, and I have this, this knowledge that I didn't have before and the ability to understand that I could not do before. And now all of a sudden, that wisdom is growing in Christ as I'm becoming more, more like him. So Paul's idea is centered in this. Knowledge is, is found in the one who saves us, and it's centered in what comes after our salvation, our growth. As we grow in Christ, we grow in knowledge. He's praying for a knowledge that, that's spiritual in nature. I know you pray for your children to do well on their ACT. Please, Lord. I, I've prayed, Lord, just let them guess. Just let them guess to whatever it's taken. Show your supernatural ability to let them guess and get them in. Get the scholarship. You pray for their tests, you pray for their math, you pray for their science, you pray for all number of things, but, but are you praying for their spiritual wisdom? That they would grow in the things of God. Now get this, God's will, and I was listening to a guy and he said, God's will is really broken down into two areas. There is the declared will of God, and there's the revealed will of God, okay? Now what's the difference? There is a declared will of God. It's given to us in decrees. I'll give you an example. God said to Abram, when he's, he's, he says, you're going to have a son. And, and that son, that's Abraham. Our Abraham's going to have a son. And, and he's going to have multiple generations. And, and he said in, in Genesis that one of your children will be in Egypt for 400 years. And one of yours will deliver him out. God said that long before the child was born. Why did Joseph go to Egypt? Why was he sold into slavery? Because God had to have him there so that Israel would follow and so that Moses could lead him out because God had decreed that it would happen. God said, for example, to, to, um, to David, he said, you want to build a house for me, but you can't build a house for me, but I'm going to build a house for you. You're going to have a son who will sit on the throne forever. That's a decree. It's a covenant. It could not be broken. Why did God have so many wicked kings that he allowed to be born in Israel? Because of the decree. Manasseh was born so that the next son could come. God decreed it. It will not change. There are certain things God decrees that you and I can't change. But there's another part of God's will. It's called the revealed will of God. And it's found in the pages of God's word. God reveals his word to us. So I just quoted Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine. If you got drunk last night, you sinned. Okay? Now there are other things you do that sin. If you, like me the other night, I found a bag of, Trey, I found a bag of Doritos in the cabinet. I didn't know they were there. I ate every one of them. I didn't need to eat those Doritos, but I'm watching. I used to watch Biggest Loser eating Cheetos and ice cream, you know? And, and there's, there's a revealed will of God about certain things. And, and here it is. When you do what God tells you not to do, it's sin. 
We talk about those things. But did you know that God tells us to do some things, and when we refuse to do those things that sin, like be filled with the Spirit. To not be filled with the Spirit is sin. To walk in the flesh is sin. To be drunk is sin, but to not be filled is sin. So there's a revealed will of God, and there's a decreed will of God. And he's talking about that we would grow in the knowledge of God's revealed will. How does he say he wants us to grow? Look at it. With all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, these words are so closely related, but let me just kind of picture it for you. Wisdom is just kind of the big, broad word for knowledge of God. But knowledge, or excuse me, understanding is how you apply it. It's how you live it out. How do you get it? How do you get wisdom and understanding? How do you get the knowledge that, that he's talking about here? Well, you pray for it, yes. But I like what John MacArthur said. He said there's three things you have to do. Get this. You've got to desire it. You've got to desire the knowledge of God. Secondly, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you get the knowledge of God. And third, you've got to study the Scriptures. Now, I can pray, God, I want to know your will on this. Please show me your will. Please show me your will. But if I never crack open the Bible, I'm not going to find his will. Coming to know his will, I've told you this before, is not by osmosis. You can't put the Bible under your pillow and soak up the knowledge. You've got to read it. You've got to dig into it. So maybe today when you come home, you say, God, I really want to know your will. Would you show me? And, and, and you begin to ask the Holy Spirit. You open, Holy Spirit, you, you gave us these words. Would you teach me through these words? And then I'm going to study it and find his will. And when you find it, you do it. God's will is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. He inspired the writer, like in this book, he inspired Paul to write these words. And as Paul wrote these words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we now study those words. And the same Spirit that inspired Paul illuminates our minds. He opens our eyes. How many times have you read something that you've read a hundred times and all of a sudden it just clicks? Wow, where did that come from? The Spirit. The Spirit of God helps illuminate it. It helps us have insight. So... We don't, let me say it again, we don't just study to know. I don't study the Bible, and I don't know if I've ever played Bible trivia, okay? But if, I don't just study the Bible to win Bible trivia. I study the Bible to know God. I study the Bible to know God's will so that I can learn to live it out and have understanding. So look at verse 10. So as, here's, here's what, you're filled with knowledge, verse 10, so as, see how that's joined? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Look at that. He wants you to walk in a way that you're fully pleasing to God. How do you do it? Third word is walk. Walk. So you're filled. You're under his control. You have his knowledge that comes through the leadership of the Holy Spirit through his word, and you walk by that same spirit. The, the, the Bible uses the word walk to describe our daily life. So it's live, that we would be filled with the spirit and then live by the spirit in every moment of our life. Paul uses 
four participles, okay? And there, unless you're a grammar person, that may not stand out to you, but it stands out in the Greek language. There are four participles that he uses to describe how we are to walk in a manner fully pleasing to him. And what's interesting about this as you study it is, is that we'll look at three of them today and then one of them next week. But let me just show you um, in verse 10 in the ESV, you can see it. Bearing fruit, that's a participle. Bearing fruit in every good work. So that's the first way we walk in a manner, bearing fruit. The second way is that we're increasing in the knowledge of God. You notice the I-N-G words. They, these are the participles. Bearing fruit, increasing Verse 11, being strengthened with all power. And then next week, giving thanks to the Father. Those are ways that you walk fully pleasing to God. He says, here's how you do it. I want you to walk fully pleasing to Him. And here's what you do. You, verse 10, you, you're bearing fruit and increasing. Increasing. Does that sound familiar? Back in verse 6. He said the gospel's bearing fruit and increasing. When the Bible repeats itself, you got to stop and say, why? And he's trying to show us something here. How do we bear fruit? How do we increase or grow in the Lord? How do we walk in a manner worthy of him so that we're fully pleasing to him? Someone pointed out there are four other times that Paul uses the word worthy. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There are four other times that he uses the word worthy and it helps us understand how to walk worthy. Look at them. Ephesians 4.1. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he says, walk in a manner worthy of God. And then even Romans 16.2, he's speaking about Phoebe. He says, welcome Phoebe in a way worthy of the saints. So, Paul's talking about living in such a way that you're walking, but, but I want to make sure we get this. It's not a matter of deserving something. We've got to get this. Paul's not saying, walk so that you'll deserve God's grace. He's not saying, walk so that you'll deserve to be filled. Walk so that you'll deserve to have knowledge. Walk so that you'll deserve. He's not saying, because be... <laughs> As, as Clint Eastwood said in the movie Unforgiven, deserves got nothing to do with it, okay? Deserve does not play in the Christian life. It's not about deserve. It's about grace. And so when you think about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, when we see the hope, as we saw last week, laid up for us in heaven, when we see the worth of Jesus— when we see the glory of Jesus to salvation, when we walk in the good works that he has given to us to do in the power of his spirit, and we do it simply to try to please him. My friend Doug Weaver said many times, we walk out of the beauty and not the duty. We're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because of the beauty of Jesus. We're doing it because we love him. And so we want to walk in that way. Bearing fruit. Now get this. Bearing fruit is like being filled. Bearing fruit is something that has to be done through you. You can't bear fruit on your own. You just can't do it. 
Fruit trees, fruit trees do not strain. Now you say, wow, that's profound. <laughs> Listen, Bill Rife in 1980-something at Lake Forest Ranch said something that I've never forgotten. He says, you've never walked by a grapevine or a muscadine vine and heard it grunting. All the vine does, all the tree does is abide. The vine is the source. We're the branches, right, Kenny? We're the branches. He's the vine. We're the branches. And as a branch, all we do is abide. We stay in him, and his sap comes through us, and the fruit is produced. What's the sap? It's the spirit. We just keep ourselves in a place of obedience. We, we keep ourselves in a place where he works through us. We, we, we overwork it sometimes when it's the Holy Spirit who does it for us. I don't mean there's nothing we do. It's just we don't produce it. It's done through us. It's done through us. It leads us to the second thing. Paul prays for discernment in God's will. But he also prays for the power to fulfill God's will. He prays for the power to fulfill God's will. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened. What does that say? With what? All power. Do you see that? Say all. All power. The act of being strengthened is, again, something that happens to us. Something from the outside, someone from the outside comes and works inside of us, and that someone is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us. The, the Father fills us with the Spirit. The Spirit continually fills us. He strengthens us. Paul's praying very similar. As I studied the prayers of Paul and prayed them, I noticed how similar they were. Think of, look at this verse. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. You look at this and, and then listen to what he says in Ephesians 3.16. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see how similar that is? Paul's praying for power. In Ephesians 1.19, he prays that we would have eyes of our heart enlightened so that we may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. Power, the working, the working that is in us, I said this last week, the working that is in us is the same working that raised Jesus from the dead. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is in you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Douglas Moo said it this way, Paul's asking that we will be strengthened by God with the greatest strength imaginable. Strengthen with an omnipotent God. He gives us. We never become omnipotent. But he gives us all the strength we need to do what he's called us to do. Listen, God's power is adequate. It's more than adequate. But for whatever he calls you to do, it is adequate. And whatever he gives to you as a calling, he also gives to you as a power to do what he's called you to do. It's a, it's a continual strengthening. It's done outside of you and through you. 
being strengthened with all power. Being strengthened. You ever watch the world's strongest men? Competition. There's a guy, he's one of my favorites, his name's Thor. Um, Thor was, when he was competing, was six foot nine, over 400 pounds when he was competing. One of the most powerful men you've ever seen. He, he had a, a competitor that he didn't like named Eddie Hall. Eddie Hall deadlifted 500 kilograms. Kilograms, is that right? Yeah. Kilograms. And so Thor decided, well, I'll just deadlift 501. And he did. And so he has that record of 501. That's, I don't know, well over 1,000 pounds. He's unbelievably strong. But you know, if you took Eddie Hall or or Mike, or Mike Shaw, or, 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 or Thor, if you take, and they could somehow give you their power. The power of a six foot nine, 400 pound, powerful deadlifter. If you could get all that power, it wouldn't even come close to giving you the power to do what you need to do. But that little feeble grandmother who can't get around and she's homebound, and she's seeking the will of God. And she's praying to God. She's got more power than those guys could ever imagine. Because the power of God works through her. God is the source of our power. And he's omnipotent. He gives us all we need to do what he's called us to do. Can I say that again? God gives us all the power we need to do what he has called us to do. Do you believe that? Here's the thing I found. If you sit around and wait for it to come, you'll never get it. But if he calls you to do something and you step out in faith, you find you have the power that you need. Do what he calls you to do and trust him. What does he give you? Endurance. The continual strengthening leads to endurance. Paul says it right there. He gives us the staying power. He, he gives us the ability to outlast. He gives us the ability to endure. The, the, the impossible situation is never impossible for the child of God. The impossible person is never impossible for the child of God. Remember that with your neighbor. Remember that with your husband, with your wife, with your child with your parents. The impossible person is never impossible in the power of God. Trust him. It's endurance. It's patience. The second thing, endurance leads to patience. We trust in God and he produces it through us. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6 that he endured afflictions and hardships and calamities and beatings and imprisonment and riots and labors and sleepless nights and hunger. And then he said in 2 Corinthians 11 that five times I received the 40 minus 1 lashes. Five times he was beaten. Three times he was stoned and left for dead. He was adrift at sea, danger, toil, hardships, endurance. How did Paul do that? Through the power of the Spirit. Adnan Judson goes to Burma, buries two wives. Buries countless children. Torture. 
his feet put in shackles, beaten with bamboo rods. And then at night, the mosquitoes would come. Judson's wife had children, and, and she had a baby, and, and, and her milk went dry. And she, while her husband's in prison, went door to door begging the Burmese women, the, Judson, the, the Burmese women to, to feed her child so it wouldn't die. You know, what, you know what Judson said after all that? I never suffered anything for the king. How could Judson endure? How could the prophets like Jeremiah endure all that they endured? It is the power of God. God is able to strengthen his children for anything he calls you to do. He's praying. Paul's praying that they would, and I think it's appropriate for us to pray the same thing for our own lives and for our children. Now next week I'm going to show you how the third thing, the fourth thing, their joy is associated with the next verse, but we have continual strengthening, we are enduring, we have patience, and it all comes with joy. Why? Because it's God is doing it through us. It's God is working in us and through us. I want us to, um, Chris, if you can, let's just pull up the whole text from the very first. And I want you to look at this text again, and I want us to close. And in just a moment, we're going to sing. But I want you, before we sing, to look at those verses real quick. And, and I wonder if, if we could just stop for a moment. And as, as Kim and the guys come up and get ready to, to lead us in singing, I wonder if we could just pray this for a moment. Could you stop just for a moment and bow your heads and ask God to help you discern his will? I guarantee you that there are those, in, all of us in some way need to know how to, what God wants us to do. Would you pray that, that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, with spiritual wisdom and understanding? God loves every one of his children. He really doesn't play favorites. He loves us all. And what Paul prayed in his own life and what Paul saw in his own life and what Paul saw in the church in Colossae and Ephesus, he'll see, he wants to see in our life. Jesus Jesus will fill us with the knowledge of his will. So ask him, God, would you fill me? Maybe you're praying for your children right now, your grandchildren. God, fill them with the knowledge of your will. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. God, I want to walk in a manner worthy of you. I want to walk fully pleasing to you. Could you pray that? Could you pray for your children? God, help them to walk in a manner worthy of you. Call them by name. God, I want them to see them. I want to see them live fully pleasing to you. Ask God to help you bear fruit today, tomorrow. Maybe you got that crazy cousin that's coming to Thanksgiving. God, help me bear fruit. Let your love come out. Let me bear fruit. Let me increase in knowledge. And then ask him for the strength. Strengthen me, Lord, with all power. You get that? According to his glorious might. He's omnipotent. For all endurance and patience with joy. Would you pray that in your life?
Pray that over your children's life. And when you're wondering what to pray, just open your Bibles to Colossians 1 and pray that daily for those in your life. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that as we think about what your word says, that even in this morning, when, when I was reading in, in Psalms, the psalmist said that your law is perfect. It revives the soul. Your testimonies are sure. They make wise the simple. Your precepts are right. They rejoice the heart. Your commandments are pure, enlightening the eyes. Your fear is clean, enduring forever. Your rules are true, and they're righteous altogether. And they said, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. God, may we desire your word more than gold. By them, your servant is warned. Let us listen to the warning. And keeping, there's great reward. Let us believe that, that keeping your word, there's great reward. Help us, Father, to know that some of that great reward is knowledge and understanding. So let us live, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together. Tim's here, I'm here. Mark will be in in a second, and any of us would be happy to help you in any way we can. If you need to come and pray, come and pray. But let's worship the Lord. Thank you. 
Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, what? Be done. And some people take that to be whatever we lust for. So I can tell you from 57 years of praying for that Corvette, that hasn't answered that prayer. But he says, if you ask anything in my father's, if you ask my father anything in my name, in my will, how do we know the will of God, the Word of God? And so that's why we go back to where we started a couple weeks ago. There is a great power in praying the Word of God. Because the prayer that I just studied with you today is the will of God. It's the will of God for all of our lives. And I promise you, if you'll begin to pray that, 
and to ask those things in your life, in your children's life, you'll begin to see the Spirit working. I don't mean that everything's going to change just like that. But you'll be sitting down with your wife, with your child, and, and you'll hear something she hadn't heard in a couple of years. And you'll realize it's God answering prayers. So I just want to encourage you to pray God's Word. Just keep praying His Word. Amen? I'm so glad you're here. Don't forget about the invitations to the, the Christmas. If you will give those out, there's three in each pack. If you need more, get them. But, it, but make sure that you give those. One of the ways that we trust the Lord is in our giving. I don't say a lot to you about it. I trust the Lord in that. But I just want to encourage you as you go out, our ushers will be at the door. If we really trust the Lord to empower us, one of the ways is we trust Him in our giving. So let's make sure we give and give those things that, that, my, that, are, that, that please and praise our God. I'm glad each of you here greet each other. We can put up the chairs today and we need to, so please do that. But don't do them without greeting one another. Guests, I'll be right over here. I'd love to talk to you. God bless you.